Friday, April 14, 1865, Ford's Theater, Washington, D.C. President Abraham Lincoln and First Lady Mary Todd enjoy a performance of the popular comedy, My American Cousin. It is a well-deserved night out for the first couple. Confederate General of All Forces, Robert E. Lee, has surrendered to Union General, Ulysses Grant, only five days ago, effectively ending the bloodiest war in all American history. 10.15 p.m. Actor John Wilkes Booth creeps toward the door of the presidential box. He quietly opens the door and steps inside. Extremely familiar with this play, Booth cocks his Derringer pistol just as the audience roars with laughter. He aims it a mere nine inches from the president's head. True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone. My name is Thad Helsley, and welcome to Scandal Sheet. And this is part one of our assassination special, Sympathy for the Devil. In two parts, we are going to examine the men that killed three great leaders. Leaders who continue to have enormous fame, both in their home countries and around the world. Now, those leaders are Mahatma Gandhi of the Republic of India, Abraham Lincoln, and Martin Luther King Jr., both of the United States of America. Now, all three of these victims are people from very different times and places, but what they have in common is that they promoted the values of justice, equality, and nonviolence. But they were still murdered, which would seem to validate the old saying that says, no good deed goes unpunished. Who were these assassins, and why did they do it? Also, we ask, how come human society allows people to kill the good guys, while genocidal murderers from Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong to Pol Pot and Idi Amin go through life without a scratch on them? And as usual, I am joined by my co-host, Anurata, to drill into this uplifting topic. Just call me Chuckles the Clown Anurata. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi there, Scandal Sheet viewers or, or listeners, I guess. So we have been way too upbeat lately, Thad. Let's take it down a notch. The last episode <laughs> was about the demonic possession of a child. If you guys didn't get to hear that one, please tune in. We should take a little bit more of a serious approach now and talk about something even a little more scandalous. So uh, here we go. It should be a good episode today. All right. Well, thanks for the plug on that one. And, of course, no Scandal Sheet episode would be complete without our artificial intelligence engine, Bernice. Bernice, hello. Hello. Your timing couldn't be better. It's always a good idea to talk about brutal murders only weeks before Valentine's Day. It really puts everyone in the mood. Well, we're always thinking about our audience, Bernice. Anurada, I thought we could start the oldest of these three assassinations, the murder of President Abraham Lincoln in April 14th, 1865, by the famous actor John Wilkes Booth. That sounds good, That We are lucky to have an expert guest to guide us through that tragic evening and beyond. And to take us through the assassination of 
President Lincoln, we are joined by a 34-year friend and professional colleague of mine, Alec Nismith. Alec has recently retired after 26 years of service in the United States Department of Defense at a senior level. Additionally, he's been an extremely serious student of history, and especially American Civil War history, for several decades. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Thad. Uh, The only thing I'll say is that I like the American Civil War because I live in Virginia. You have to study the American Civil War, but I also love history all over the world. So European history, Asian history, love it all. Okay, well, welcome to the Scandal Sheet Podcast, Alec. And on your honor, I'm going to ask the the first question here. Alec, who was John Wilkes Booth, and how did he get involved in this conspiracy towards the Lincoln administration? Okay, so um, John Wilkes Booth, first of all, he was an actor, a very famous actor, came from an acting family. His father was an actor in England, came to the United States under somewhat mysterious circumstances. At any rate, raised a family here. He had two brothers that were also actors and a sister. And with his three brothers and his father, they performed all up and down the East Coast in New York and Washington and Baltimore. He was born outside of Bel Air or outside of Baltimore in Bel Air, Maryland. So a lot of people today don't think of Maryland as a true southern state. But at the time, it was very, very much a southern state. And uh, they had slavery, in other words, very much had slavery and were very much they wanted to succeed from the Union. But Lincoln would not allow that to happen. And and that brought a lot of politics into it and a lot of the things that that uh, Booth resented about Abraham Lincoln. Some of the, he would... Uh, you mean because he tromped on the Constitution? Yeah, that little okay, thing. That little yeah, thing, that, okay. That kind of bothered him a little bit. <laughs> um, he, he had editors arrested for if they wrote bad articles. And so, yeah, so he, he definitely... Grew up in a, he saw himself as a Southern gentleman, and he totally did not respect Lincoln or what he stood for. He he was definitely a racist. He was definitely a pro-slavery person, and did not agree with the abolitionist movement at all. Thought it was the worst thing that could happen to the United States. But deeper than that, deeper than that, he really thought saw Lincoln as, as a tyrant. And a person that was trampling the Constitution. Okay, so like just a really fun guy that you would invite over for a barbecue? Actually, you would. <laughs> he, he was incredibly charismatic. He was an actor. He was used to sitting down. People loved him, especially the women. Absolutely loved him. All right. Yeah. So, no, he, you would, he would have been the guy you'd want to sit down. I wouldn't talk to him about politics. That might get a little hairy. But I'm sure he had some really great stories. So we're told the original plot was to kidnap Lincoln and essentially hold him for ransom to end the war on the Confederacy's terms. Why did the plan change to assassination? Okay, well, so yes, you're right. The original plot was to kidnap Lincoln. Um, When he gets involved, he comes up with this idea he met with two of his boyhood friends, Sam Arnold and Michael O'Loughlin, in, in August of 64. And he's talking about all the bad things that are happening in the South and how the war's not going the way it should. And he, he says that he's got this great plan 
that he wants to kidnap Lincoln and actually use him to encourage the North to do a prisoner exchange. See, at that time, once uh, the Union started with having uh, colored troops and colored regiments, this threw in the the face of the Confederacy. For modern people, colored means black? Black, yes. Yeah, but they were were called colored. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. It was was not a desegregated military. Right, right, right. right. But uh, to the South, that was a great affront because these were slaves. You were arming slaves in their minds. And so they said, if if we capture these quote-unquote soldiers in battle, we will immediately return them to slaves slavery. Any officer will be shot. The officers were white. We will shoot them or execute them for inciting a slave rebellion. So based on that, the North had to say, fine, no prisoner exchanges. They shut it down. Now, this was also very strategic because the North knew they had a very large population because they had industrial centers and a lot of immigrants were coming to New York. The South was agricultural and did not have a large population, so they couldn't field big armies. So if you stop prisoner exchanges, it's going to hurt the South much faster than it would hurt the North. At any rate, so this was the plan. They would would capture Lincoln. They would hold him more ransom to encourage a prisoner swap or exchange him for soldiers. It was a brilliant idea. And he left his friends, and they said, yep, we're all in. We'll go with you and do this. Then he started working some of his contacts that he knew and basically developed contacts with Confederate Underground that was basically running couriers from Richmond all the way up to Montreal through eastern part of Virginia and up into the eastern part of Maryland and up north. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately for Booth, in January of... 65, the North decided to start secretly or quietly exchanging prisoners with the South. They did this, a lot of people say, because of the stories coming out about Andersonville, because all they had all these big prisons that were not designed to hold lots of people, so a lot of people were dying of sickness. The North couldn't ha- was overwhelmed with prisoners. The South was overwhelmed with prisoners. It only made sense to exchange them. Once that happened, really the whole point of capturing Lincoln, kind of went out the window. Plus, the war started getting worse and worse. Now, right up till two weeks, or actually in March of 65, was an attempt to kidnap Lincoln. But that was when he was going to go out to the soldier's home or a hospital by the soldier's home. He didn't go. He stayed in Washington to make a speech. Mm. And so they called off the uh, the attempted kidnapping of him. Soon after that, it does switch to assassination. Ah, and it really has to switch to assassination because by April tenth, Richmond had fallen, had Union troops all over it. Lee had surrendered. Right, and that was big. It was huge. It wasn't the end, but it was. It, it really. Said, big. It was. It said it was the end. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Johnson had a an army, a fairly sizable army, and he was a good general, but. He didn't have the resources that Lee had. and There, there was no way he was going to pull this out of the there, back. Exactly. Oh, and so. there was also nobody to negotiate with because right. Jefferson Davis was in a wagon heading south. <laughs> you know, so there was no one to talk And to. Davis hated him, right? Uh, Johnson? Uh, Johnston? Yeah, we, we don't know. Okay. Yeah, okay. We don't know. I'll cut that so, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and so at any rate, so it really, it became mute. 
as to whether they could exchange. And so that's when we think it moved. He was going to do something. He wanted to do something. He wanted to make a big splash. So I don't think originally he set out for the assassination, but I think it just sort of moved that way. So Anuradha doesn't know this, and our listeners probably don't know this. Half of my childhood, like from age 8 to 18, I was living in what uh, place that is called Lincoln's hometown, Springfield, Illinois. And he actually had spent his life there from age... 21 or 22 until he left to go be president. So that really was where he spent the vast majority of his life. So, you know, we grew up in grade school being, immer- I mean, everything was like, oh, Lincoln auto body, Lincoln ice cream, Lincoln every, you know, we were just like, oh my God, Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln. And one of the questions like in grade school that we would ask, because there would always be like around Lincoln's birthday, there'd be this huge thing about Lincoln's life and they're like, hey, sister, because I always went to Catholic schools, how come this guy gets to waltz up right up to Lincoln's door? Like he's in this opera box in this supposedly secure place in the theater, and he just like opens the door, walks in, blows the guy's head off. Now, where were the guards? I mean, the war was still technically going on. I mean, Lee and Cerner Grant, but just like Alec had said, when, what's going on here? How do you pull that off? Yeah, that's actually a really great question. Okay. Um, and, and <laughs> we thought so, too, as yeah, yeah. second graders. Right. So, so <laughs> normally, if you go to the National Park Service and you raise your hand, you ask that question. The first thing they'll tell you is nobody, you know, this was the first president to be assassinated in the United States. Nobody could conceive of somebody assassinating the president of the United States. And But and didn't that, he sneak in? When he first got elected, didn't he have to sneak in because of assassination threats? So it, you would think, didn't he actually have to, like, he had dress to, as he a had, woman? Well, no, okay, that that was okay. That's that was a rumor said by his, at, okay. his enemies. All but right. but you're right. He Pinkerton did have to sneak him in. He left early on a train, and specifically because he had to go through Baltimore. And when you, the way the, the railroad worked, you came in in the north of Baltimore, you had to get out of that train station, go to another train station, get the train I, to I'm just saying, to that. wasn't he so, sensitized to assassination attempts? So, well, see, that's yes and no, because he sort of felt... That if he was assassinated, it was God's will. It was preordained, and that was going to happen. So there, he he. Okay, did, that's stupid. But go well, ahead. yeah, but he did. <laughs> there were many attempts on his life. Um, one, yeah, yeah. Whatever um, happens, but happens. He he did not want to have security by him. He thought that interfered with what he had to do. And there was one famous attempt where he was riding out to the old soldiers' home, which is in Northeast Washington. And you can still visit there today. And on the way out there, it was far out of, out of town at the time. An assassin took a shot at him, shot off his, his hat, and there was a bullet hole in his hat. And when he was asked about it, he said, oh, no, 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 my horse just took off for no reason. And there was, there was no big deal. And then they found his hat with the, the bullet hole in it. He, hmm. he really, he did not take a lot of precautions to protect his life. But that's not really what happened the night the Ford's Theater. Oh, it is. <clears throat> yeah. So this is the the question that always comes up with is there was a man from the D.C. Police Department and his name was John Parker. And actually, D.C. Police Department, which was newly formed, like right at the beginning of the Civil War, there was four guys that were assigned to escort the president. 
Now, there's a lot of interpretations of what did escort mean. Some people said it meant nothing more than crowd control, make, keep the crowds back so he could get in the carriage and go. Others said, no, 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 he was responsible to keep the the president safe. And from most of the what I've been able to read, I, it seems to me that his job was to escort the president, make sure that he wasn't bothered by people, to Ford's Theater. The president was going to watch the play. After the play, he was going to escort him and Mrs. Lincoln back to the White House. That was his sole job, not to actually physically guard the president while it was in the theater. So they were down in the bar while he's watching the show. So some reports is that he went next door and had a drink. Others said that he just left and nobody saw where he went. Mm-hmm. He shows up the next morning doing his job. Well, you but, said he was supposed to escort him after the show. Yeah, he was. But the one thing about Mr. Parker, he was very unreliable. He was a drunk. He was not a dependable. In fact, he was actually brought up on charges for not being there that night when he should have been. A so, man after my own heart. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, go yeah. ahead. So, but, <laughs> but I, the, the, you know, like I say, I, I've read from people who said absolutely not. That was not his job to protect. He had no business there. Other people said that Lincoln actually told him, go find a good seat in the house and watch the play. I'm going to be there. Again, Lincoln was not one oh my to keep people He wouldn't around. even have a private. No, no, not even a private. Well, the military did not have that job. They, the military did, they were at the White House. But the job of the military was to do military action. It wasn't to guard the president. Now, interestingly... No, it was Pinkerton, right? Well, so interestingly enough, the Secret Service creation or the signing off on the creation of the Secret Service was one of the last things Lincoln did before he was assassinated. But you have to remember that when it was originally formed, it wasn't to protect the president. It was to catch counterfeiters. So there was no group to protect the president. So where he was out in going south when when the uh, Confederates attacked Washington and he went up to Fort Stevens, those were military operations. And yeah, the military would take responsibility for protecting him. But Washington... That was, that was just not, not in the cards. It's not what people saw or thought at that time. Now, there was a White House messenger named Charles Forbes, and he was in the theater that night and also outside of that door. Remember when we went to Forge Theater, there's that door that goes back to the booth? He was outside watching the show at the time, and Booth did go up to him and handed him a card, and he looked at the card and let him in. Now, we don't know what was on the card but it was probably a calling card, say, and Booth being a very famous actor, wanting to meet the president. And the president had actually seen him in performances would not have been unusual. Mm, okay. Well, unfortunately, uh, Anurata, because she's sort of like the karate kid, you know, with her martial arts expertise, would have been a better choice to, I mean, and, and there's probably been a dozen Tell us on your dozen attempts on Trump's life that you've thwarted personally. Is that correct? I mean, I would assume assume so. That's very affirmative. I would assume so. You know, you're going to have lovers, you're going to have haters. So, Alec, you once took me on a tour of John Wilkes Booth's escape route yes until his actual capture and it it actually there are like commercial trips you can take for a hundred bucks in a bus well they will do this for you but you did it for me personally and it seems to me 
that he and his fellow fugitive could have come up with a better... I mean, okay, we've got this whole plan, we're going to shoot the guy, and but it just seems a little bit haphazard, at least to me. But what yeah, are well, your thoughts? As, as an expert <laughs> assassin, I appreciate your critique of me. I'm sure it'd be very hurtful for him to, if he were alive today, to hear those comments from you. So, Ruth was was kind of in a tough spot whenever you're trying to do a big plot against oh, yeah. the president. Whenever you kill yeah. a president it, it, and then try to get out. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to tell people what you want to do, right? You know, you have to really control the message of who you're telling because if you tell the wrong person, they just might tell the authorities like, what you're doing. where was right. the helicopter right. with the ladder well, that was going to take him to Mexico? Okay. I don't so, know. So I, no, like Mission no, Impossible. No, very good point. I mean... <laughs> Here's the thing is he definitely had connections <laughs> with the Confederate couriers that went okay. up and down. And that's how – and chief among them was Dr. Mutt, who he met, uh, despite what Dr. Mutt said, uh, more than three – on at least three occasions. Okay, And through Dr. Mudd and through Mary Surratt, who is big in the, in the pipeline as well, and John Surratt, who is a courier from Richmond up to Montreal, he made all these connections. So, all these people eventually executed. Uh, no, well... Or uh, charged. Uh, right, yeah, because John Surratt actually escaped. Okay. And, and, oh, okay. Uh, he was not actually there when the uh, assassination attempt. He was, in the, he was in the plot to capture the president. Uh, and then after that, he was actually uh, in New York when he found out about the assassination attempt and then escaped to Montreal. At any rate, his mother, though, famously was captured and executed for her part in it. But the point of this was when he breaks his leg, he, well, he goes to Surratt Tavern. That was one of the stops. He goes to Dr. Mudd's house to fix his leg, his broken leg. Oh, sorry if I interrupt. Did you say, how did he break his leg? Was it jumping out of the opera box? So, yeah, yeah, right. So another big controversy. Some people say that. I prescribe to the notion that he actually broke it on on his horse when he was heading to Surratt. Um, And the reason for that is when he leaves the theater, he's reported getting on his horse and he takes off with great speed. Nobody is commenting on any pain or winching that he would have had. Uh, the notion that people said, oh, he, we saw him limp off the stage. Those comments only come like 10, 20 years afterwards. The first accounts do not mention him limping. Okay, And then when he gets to the Surratt house, that's the first time that he's identified as being in pain from his leg. And at that point, he goes to Dr. Mudd's Did house. somebody shoot him? No. What we think happened, or what I, uh, the theory that I prescribe to, is that, remember, there are no streetlights. And right. you're going on dirt roads that are filled with potholes. And the horse probably stumbled. When he stumbled, he couldn't get his foot out of the stirrup fast enough. And he broke a bone in his leg. So it happened at that point. Okay. Okay. I'd like to say something. At any rate, so he goes to Dr. Mudd. I don't think that that was... I think that was intentional. He would have gone to Dr. Mudd whether he broke his leg or he's not because Dr. Mudd was the one that was going to be able to send him on his next part of the escape route down into the south, which basically was this courier system that led from eastern Maryland down into eastern Virginia and all the way down to Richmond. Okay, so it's sort of like a, a bad guy underground railroad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, boy, there's a judgment call there. Well, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, you're up and you're out of. So, Alec, there are a number of conspiracy theories swirling around the assassination. Any of them hold water for you? Yeah, so I actually love this question because there are so many myths and lures about the Lincoln assassination. It's fun to go down all those rabbit holes just to see where they lead. My personal one is that I think there was a conspiracy. It was with Mary Surratt and George Atzerodt and David Harold and Lewis Powell, and they conspired to kill Abraham Lincoln, and they succeeded. And those but, were the people that were prosecuted. Yeah, those right. were the ones, okay, right. Okay. That, so, that's, so that's the establishment That's the establishment That's the Warren Commission right, right. of the... Yes, it's the Warren Commission yeah, one. Yeah. But there's a lot of fun ones out there, fun, okay. I guess, or interesting. One of the ones I found the most interesting was that it was a papal plot ordered by the Pope, and the Catholics were doing this together. And this is born out of... Yeah, I know. Wow! And I knew you'd find that interesting. Um, yeah, so it born out of the fact that a lot of the conspirators were actually Catholic. Mary Surratt was a, Surratt was a devout Catholic. Mudd was a Catholic. And the first time... And he, Lincoln was a Protestant? Well, no, I mean, no, no, no. That wasn't, that wasn't the reason they said. Okay. So, so, uh, so Mudd, when he first meets... Booth, they meet in a Catholic church. So there's this, and Maryland's a Catholic state. It was originally established okay, as a Catholic wow. state. So there's a, they See, this would be. This is why we thing. got this guy. On, yeah, right? yeah. This is why we got this. So guy. the theory goes <laughs> that, and and I, and, and <laughs> we got the professional. And if you're Catholic, I believe me, I, I'm not trying to insult you, but the theory goes that the Catholics were actually more inclined to approve of slavery. And they did not want Lincoln mm. to free the slaves. And they were... Nice they could, legacy. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the theory. And, and so the, the Pope, because of this, this bad feeling, the Pope ordered his death. Now... Wow! Yeah. And also the... Pope got the big guns out. Yeah, yeah. And also it's sort of backed up by uh, this notion that... I told you John Surratt was not, you know, the son of Mary Surratt. He escaped... Sure. And when they finally caught on him, he was in the Papal Guards. And so he was part of the Vatican Guards. You mean they, the Swiss Guards? Yeah, he, he joined the Swiss Guards. So, oh, my God. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah. And, and he came from there. and they He got all the way to Italy. No, he actually, he got to Italy and then he actually went to Egypt. And they finally caught him in Egypt and took him back. Like a Holy year, year like 18 shit. months later. So, yeah. So... I don't subscribe to that. I just find it interesting that people would draw all these conclusions. There were a lot of people that were involved in this plot that were. Wow. It's never, never, no, there's no, no writings that ever, or any, any correspondence from Booth with the Vatican that I'm aware of. Right, right, right. So it's just, it's just a little interesting, I guess, out of there on left field. Another one that, taken a little bit more seriously, is Secretary of State Stanton. He was involved with it. He wanted Lincoln dead. So it varies on, on the details, whether he actually helped Booth or knew about it and didn't stop it, but actually facilitated Booth, the Booth escape because everybody wanted to know, with a lockdown city in the war, how was it that Booth was able to get past the guard, not just him, but Harold, who was his guide in Southern Maryland, how he was able to get by as well. Basically, it was dumb luck. In the Academy Award-winning movie Lincoln, mm -hmm. Stanton is sort of like they don't agree on everything, but ultimately he's like his buddy. Yeah. 
So anybody that saw that movie is like, what, what do you mean? And then plus, he, in, in reality, he did get stabbed a couple of times. He didn't die, but he, he, he was seriously wounded in the assassination attempt. So was that just a fake in that theory? Stuart was... Wasn't that Stanton? No. Secretary no. of War? No, no, Secretary of State. Seward... Well, he oh, he was the one. Okay, okay. No, this is. This I'll is, cut that out. Yeah. That was bullshit. Sorry, on your Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you didn't do my homework. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> no, you were close. <laughs> one secretary off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I keep yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm making stuff up. But uh, no, Secretary of War uh, Stanton was the one that, after the assassination, he takes control of the investigation, the search for John Wilkes Booth, issuing all the orders, not the vice president. He takes control of the government at that point, and he directs all the activities going after Booth from the Peterson House at first, which is where Lincoln was taken after the assassination, and then controls the whole investigation and controls the trial and makes sure that it's a military tribunal, not a civilian trial which has different rules of evidence. And so the, the theory is that he really wanted Booth to succeed, Lincoln to be dead, because he hated the South, and he, wanted, he knew that Lincoln was going to try and make an easy peace. Right. And he wanted a painful peace. And he thought with the help of the radical Republicans in Congress, they would make Reconstruction very painful for the South. And that is one of the themes of this episode is how can we kill the good guys? But okay, yeah, yeah. So, so in that sense, they killed the good guy. And also he didn't like Johnson, who was Lincoln's vice president. But to be fair, most people didn't. Right. He was from Tennessee. First, first president to be impeached. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was barely escaped by one vote. By one vote. Yeah. Yes. And basically because the Republicans hated him. He was, he was a Democrat. Well, he was a Democrat from the South, and that's why Lincoln put him on the ticket, right. because he was, the, he was one He's vote. fighting McClellan. Right, right. right. And he, he wanted to broad support. Again, very little evidence for this, but that's the wonderful thing about conspiracies. If you can't find evidence, you just say, well, it was destroyed. But it doesn't seem to really hold up in water. You know, it's, it's out there. It's a little bit more credible than the Catholic connection. Sure. And then the probably the one I think that would be the strongest would be that it was actually the Confederate government that conspired to kill Lincoln. And this was... Um, Which should be expected. Well, no. It, at the time, it would be very unexpected. Really? Okay? Yeah, because that was not the gentlemanly thing to do. You attacked armies. You did not attack heads of state. After killing 1.5 million people, yeah, they're but really just, interested in gentlemanly yeah, things? Oh, yes, yes. This is the Victorian age. Where, where you did gentlemanly things. There were things that were done and things that were not done. And killing a head of state was not something you did. But on your it was okay to rape women, right? Well, so let's just rape all the women, but let's still be gentlemanly. Okay, those guys weren't... <laughs> <laughs> That's some bullshit. But, but there was a thing that... There was, there Straight was a up BS. That, okay. And that was the Dahlgren raid. And the Dahlgren raid was authorized by Abraham Lincoln. Dahlgren was a, a Union officer who went down, and he, some say his mission was actually to free Union prisoners out of Libby prison and get them freed. And he, he led this raid down there. But at any rate, during that export, he was shot. And when he was shot, supposedly there were letters on him from Lincoln saying, when you get to Richmond, go and find Jefferson Davis 
and his cabinet and kill them. Lincoln said that? that they're supposedly no. were these. No, letters. everything we know is like he's like amnesty for everybody. Right, right. Now, I don't know, so Allie. Some say that these letters, the Dalton laid the letters. Some say they were misinterpreted. Some say they were misread. And we're saying this in the context of a potential conspiracy. Theory. Yeah, well, well, Where so, Lincoln is like, let's just fucking right. like I'm Michael Corleone. I'm killing the five, the heads of the, the five, five families. families. Yeah, and and and, and, then, then, and some or people John said, Wick. And okay. what we do know is Jefferson did believe that Lincoln had tried to kill him, and once he did that, but then, he lived a good long life. Well, yeah, as I, did Robert E. Lee. He he did, but remember, he's still at war. Okay, it's the end of the war, but he's still at war with the North, right? Yeah. And so he authorizes a plot where they're going to go up and set off a bomb underneath the White House. And that was supposed to happen on April 10th. Now, remember, Lincoln is assassinated on April 14th. Four and, days later. Right. But Good as, Friday. As they were going up, right, right. they were caught crossing the Potomac. And they were betrayed. And so the plot never happened. Now, wow. it's pretty obvious that Booth, being with his courier connections, would have known that that plot failed. And some people think that because that plot failed, that gave him the green light, if you would, to go and kill Lincoln. Wow. So that one uh, has a lot more interest to it. Crazy. But again, I go back to the conservative one. I think it was sure. these guys got together with a actor who really wanted to go down and make his name and and he did he did we certainly remember wow so that is some crazy stuff i guess one thing we really want to know is finally why did booth actually do it i think booth did it from all the readings and i really think he thought he was going to be a hero in the south that trip we took he hid in the woods for five days that was the first time he started getting newspapers and he started reading the reactions and he really thought that lincoln was a tyrant and he was going to be praised especially in the south for killing him and freeing everybody from this tyrant and i think he was absolutely shocked when he read the papers and everybody including the south was absolutely condemning his act calling it cowardly not being a gentleman, and so much so that he writes in his notebook, which he knew would be found, or he was definitely going to use, that he didn't do a cowardly act. He burst through, walked through a thousand of his friends, walked right up to him, shot him, and then escaped on his own skill, rode overnight to get away, and did all these brave heroic acts, and all to rid the world of this tyrant. And I think he, he really did it. And I think also because he wanted to be remembered. He wanted to make a mark. And I think all assassins in some way want to want to be remembered. And you're always the guy who's remembered for at least killing a great man. So he wanted to be like Mark Anthony in Shakespeare's Brutus, Julius yeah. Caesar. Yeah. Well, he, and- wanted, he, wanted to, he wanted to be Brutus. Brutus. He wanted to be Brutus who okay. kills the tyrant Caesars. Okay. And then, yeah, and which, as an actor, he played in that play yep. many, many times. Yep. And there's photos of him. Yep. Which is, okay, that's weird. 
That's not my theory, incidentally. (laughs) Okay. But I agree with it. I absolutely. Okay. Alec, we are so happy that you could join us and enlighten us as to all of this stuff about the assassination, which I'm I'm sure most people have no idea of. So is there anything we missed? Anything else you want to add? No, no. This has been a lot of fun, Thad. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Everybody, thank you very much. Alec Nesbitt. Well, I think we emptied our magazine on this episode, folks. I want to thank our special guest, Alec Nisbet, for his detailed historical insights. And also, of course, my amazing co-host, Anya Rada. Last but not least, our artificial intelligence engine, Bernice. Even though we didn't give her that much to do this time around. As usual, we hope you'll follow or subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite pod platform. And share it with all your friends! We'd also love it if you'd leave us a shameless, over-the-top review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. We also want to hear from you. You can reach us online at ScandalSheetPod.com, Facebook, or Twitter, now called X, or just send us an email to contact at ScandalSheetPod.com. See you again on ScandalSheet! Copyright 2024. Thad Helsley Media LLC. All rights reserved.